You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 42. We're going to talk about favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, the revelation of Proverbs where it says the favor of the Lord is better than gold and silver, better than money, better than riches. The revelation of that is, is that God's favor can open more doors than money ever could. The favor of God can carry you through situations and circumstances like money cannot. You can't buy happiness. Come on. And so uh, I I love what this says, but to get there, we're going to have to walk through some things because Isaiah, when he prophesied, it's one of the, the, the book of Isaiah is, he's the longest prophet, uh, the book ministry-wise that prophet, what am I trying to say? That, that spoke to Israel the longest. And, uh, and so we're, we're going to look at some things here. As Isaiah in 42 verse um, 14. And then we'll jump down to, well, start in 14. I have kept silent for a long time. I've kept still and restrained myself. Now, like a woman in labor, I will groan. I will both gasp and pant. And then he says, I will lay waste the mountains and hills and wither all the vegetation. I will make the rivers into coastlands and dry up the ponds. And I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. They shall be turned back and be utterly put to shame. Who trust in idols? Who say to molten images, you are our gods? Hear, you deaf, you, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant? Or so deaf as my messenger whom I send. Who is so blind as he that is at peace with me? Or so blind as the servant of the Lord? You have seen many things, but you do not observe them. Your ears are open, but none hears. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness sake to make the law great and glorious. But this is a people plundered and despoiled. All of them are trapped in caves or are hidden away in prisons. They have become a prey, none to deliver them, and spoil with none to say, give them back. Who among you will give ears to this? Who will give heed and listen hereafter? Now, let me just break this down to you because that seems pretty heavy. But here's what I'm telling you. We're right smack in the dab of the middle of this because what he's talking about is, is my people have become blind and they're not seeing what's going on. They're hearing, but they're not really hearing what's going on. They're not doing, they, have, they, they don't even walk in my ways anymore and it says they are in lockdown. They're in caves, they're hiding, they're in lockdown. Why? Because they won't take action. He says, my servants, my servants can't even see, can't even hear. Why? Because Isaiah is prophesying to a people who are living in prosperity. Isaiah is prophesying to a people who are ignoring the the moral condition of their country. He is prophesying to people who think they're living in peace, but they will not take action and do anything about it. And he's saying, hey, you gonna do something? 
Because see, what's happening is, is Judah's sister nation, uh, countrymen are being taken into exile. Little by little, they're being pulled away and they're just steadily got blinders on. It says you got your idols. Oh, he's talking to his people. He's not talking to heathen people. He's talking about, because he says, he, he, he goes on to say, uh, who gave Jacob up for spoils and Israel to plunders? In other words, who brung in the thugs and who's robbed? Who, who allowed the thugs to come in and who allowed? Let me tell you something. It's because we ain't been listening. We ain't been seeing Oh, that's Old Testament. Let me tell you something. History always repeats itself. The devil ain't got no new tricks. He knows how to blind God's people. And he knows how to make you become dull of hearing that you don't hear. And he knows exactly what prosperity will do. It's a strange mistress. Prosperity's good because it's a blessing and God wants us to prosper. But the enemy knows how to use it against us. He knows how to get God's people out of the covenant. Well, we're just, we, you know, we don't really have to tithe. That last preacher, he took advantage of all the money. Oh, that name it, claim it bunch. They screwed it up for us. So I'm just gonna tip God. Let me tell you something. It ain't about the preacher. It doesn't make a hill of beans what I do with the money. Oh, man. It doesn't matter if I go spend it on hookers and whiskey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because the, yeah. But it's what you gave from your heart. It's as if you were obedient, then it's on me. Come on. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm accountable. You're accountable. That's why we tell people all the time, we don't live by your giving, we live by mine and hers. And what we do, come on, are y'all hearing me? This ain't a tithe message. I'm just telling you how prosperity gets, gets us in trouble. And Isaiah begins his messages off with repent. There's hope, but you got to trust in God. And there's always going to be that order. Repent, there's hope, but you got to trust in God. Repent, there's hope, and you got to trust in God. So this ain't a message of, oh my God, we're all doomed. No, this is a message of hope, but we got to trust in God. In the midst of everything going on, in the midst of God shaking this thing up, in the midst of some stuff falling off and some old religious mindsets and God bringing his church back into correction and order, come on, bringing faithfulness back, bringing, come on, righteousness back into his house. Let me tell you something. God is drawing that hard line. We sat right here during the conference and right there, Eugene talked about, listen, that was a prophetic word from God. You make no mistakes about it. That was a prophetic word from the very heart of God and God is drawing a hard, righteous line. I can confirm that from 17 years, you can go back and you can look, God's been drawing this line bringing this correction in this order. Look in Isaiah 43. We'll start in verse 1. And oh, let me just say this. It says, they have become prey. In other words, victims. 
become victims. That's very important because we have somehow taken on a victim mentality. And it's hard to walk in victory when you got a victim mentality. Because you're either going to be victim or victor. But it all starts with repenting. There's hope. And trust God. And it's, it's just like during praise and worship. We, we, we have to, the blood of Christ speaks a better word. When Tracy said that, it, it, listen, we, we, we can take the word and we can prophesy. Come on. We can prophesy and speak to our future. What are we speaking? Before you go to the doctor, what are you speaking? Because let me tell you, I can tell you, the doctor, listen, always remember medicine is a business. Keep that first in mind. Medicine is a business. It's no different than the guy telling you, you, you might better get a new set of brake pads. When really, you don't need a brake pad. You just probably need to quit slamming on your brakes. <laughs> but you end up with a whole new brake job. Come on. See, doctors do the same thing. Well, let's just try this. Let's just, you know, because they're, um, y'all know, I don't even have to tell you. Come on, does anybody not know that medicine is a big business? And when you go there, you're going to have to start prophesying. I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes I were healed. Right? Start prophesying it ahead of time. Start speaking over your body. Come on. See what they say, come on. But the truth is, come on, what God says about you in your situation. God, what do you want me to do? You may be there to minister to the doctor. Come on. But don't just take it at face value. But now, verse 1, but now, thus says the Lord, your creator. That right there ought to give you more comfort than anything. That word creator means select, choice, formative processes. Capable of alteration by growth and development. In other words, the creator God hand-picked you. Come on now. The creator God hand-picked you, set you aside, made you for a specific purpose. And you're able to grow and able to develop. See, that's what's so great about faith. You may, you're sitting here thinking right now, yeah, but you don't understand the report that the doctor gave me. Yeah, but you can grow and develop in faith. The guy said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Come on, that means uh, you're the creator. You can help me develop this. You can help me grow in faith. And he formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. How comforting is that? You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. You know three boys got a hold of that right there? Three boys heard that scripture right there and prophesied it into their future. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, here's what you got to understand. Now, this is either a fairy tale or it's the God's honest, absolute truth. You can just think that's a great old story or it's absolute truth. Me, I believe it's absolute truth. 
I believe that three boys said, let me tell you something. Even if God doesn't, let it be known to you, we ain't bowing down. I'm not changing for you. I'm not worshiping your idol because there ain't but one God. Come on, that's that righteous hard line saying I'm not going to cave to the culture that says, oh, I'll bow down. Three boys got a hold of that. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let me tell you something. There is no other Savior. There's no other government entity program. There's nothing. God is our Savior. There's no vaccines. There's no, come on, y'all. I'm not, I don't, if you got the vaccine, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not pro against, I don't, whatever. For me personally, I'm just not there yet. I've had all the other vaccines. Come on. But right now, when you got a Savior telling you, you got to have this, trust us, I don't trust you. Why? Because there's one God. I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help. See, that hard, that's a hard line, isn't it? It's a hard line. I'm not against you if you got it. I'm not, come on. I'm not against you. No guilt, condemnation if you ain't got it. Right? I don't look at people that wear masks all, oh my God, you're an idiot. But don't look at me like I'm an idiot when I don't wear one. Right? Huh. He agrees. <laughs> look what he says. I have given Egypt as your ransom. Cush, Sheba, in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you. I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. What happened to the guys that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into fire? What happened to the guys that came against Daniel and What happened to the Egyptians when they came after Moses and God's people through the Red Sea? I don't make the rules, but I can tell you favor ain't fair. Is it fair that God's people got to walk across dry ground? And then the Egyptians couldn't even ride their horses and chariots through it. Favor ain't fair. Somebody say it with me. Favor ain't fair. He says he redeemed us. That word redeemed means purchase. It means to buy, to obtain by labor, labor, Danger or sacrifice. God purchased us. Whether it was dangerous and a sacrifice to do it, that's what he did. Come on. And it says, revenge. Redeemed mean also revenge. To afflict injury in return for retribution or reward. God's serious about this redeeming. See, and it's hard for us to accept that when we're told God's this loving God and you just because he loves you, you're going to heaven because you are a nice person, because you were, you see how we start setting up idols? You see how we start getting off track? God's a loving God and, and oh, well, we'll just kind of 
just walk around the edges of Christianity. Come on. See, this is the hard line. But if you want to walk in favor that ain't fair, you, one side of that line is the... But I'm telling you, God is the one who redeems. Listen, I'm still just waiting on my 511,000 for DCC because the enemy came and stole from us and we caught that thief and then God revenged. Come on, the guy that stole the money's dead. Those aren't my rules. That's that hard line. Oh, man, I don't know about all that. I'm telling you the guy opened the door for the enemy to devour him. Because when I looked right dead at him, I said, let me tell you, you ain't stealing our money. Do you understand? That's not our money. That was sowed into the house. That's part of God's covenant. You're touching his. That ain't mine. You got to deal with God. God says, I redeem. That's a hard line. But favor ain't fair. Man, is anybody in here with me? Anybody with me? Redeemed us. See, when we repent and we hope and we trust then we lose the victim mentality and then we can start possessing the land. But it starts with repentance. That's why he said in Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name, listen, everybody else, everybody in here calls themselves a Christian. At some point, we gotta repent. This ain't the way of God. And then he says, I'll forgive them of their sin and I'll heal their land. Our land needs healing this land needs healing that turning and it's and that's what so God says I'm the one that allowed the thieves and thugs to come in because my people weren't hearing they weren't seeing come on Now look what he says. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men. Look in verse five. Do not fear for I'm with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give up them, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Listen, we as Christians pray this all the time. Lord, we bring them in. We call them in from the south, east, west. Repent. <laughs> Hope and trust God. That's how they'll start coming. Once we start getting ourselves in right alignment, things start coming into right alignment. Favor starts coming in right alignment. But until you get your life right, nothing's in right alignment. Look at verse 8. Bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes, and the deaf, even though they have ears. I love this part. All the nations have gathered together in order that the peoples may be assembled. Who among them can declare this and proclaim to us the former things? Let them present their witness that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say, is it true? In other words, this is going to shock you. But that word nations there, it's a race of people. It's a denominational groups of people. Come on. That word nation, it's not 
it is like other nations, Europe and all that. But it also means groups of people. And you got to put it in that context of groups of people because he's saying, you gather up all your denominations and let's see what they're saying and see if it's true. I, I know it just feels like the air was sucked out of the room. But I'm telling you, when a people are so blind and so can't hear, but they're just playing church, come on. God has to draw that hard line, says, boys, here's what we're going to do. I love you, and you are my people. And I want to honor you, and I want to love you. Now come make your case, and let's see what's true and what ain't. That's where we're at. We're in the process of seeing what's true, what ain't true, what's going to be shaken off, what mindsets or just old religious mindsets or what's, come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? God's straightening out some things here. Bring them out. Let's see what's true. I love you and I want you in right alignment because I'm fixing to do something. Look what he says. He says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Look what he's saying. He is telling us, you're the people who are, gonna, who are announcing and reflecting the kingdom of God. He says, you're my witnesses. You're the ones that are supposed to be reflecting the very kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're the ones supposed to be walking in the power and the authority of the kingdom of God. No matter where you go, no matter what's going on, no matter what, you are to bring the kingdom of God right here. People should see the power and the glory of God in no matter what situation. And I'm telling you, there is some horrible situations that you will find yourself in, but you better know who your God is because it'll be life or it'll be death. And I'm telling you right now, there was a guy in front of us that got hit by an 18-wheeler in a car. There was three guys in a car, and they got hit, T-boned by an 18-wheeler right in front of me and Wendy. Man, I pulled over on the side of the road, and I get out, and I'm taking off running to that car. And I mean, the airbags are all gone, and I see the driver get out, and, he, and he's looking around, and he takes off running for the woods, and I'm like... Oh, man, dude, don't go over there and hide your drugs. Or I'm like, what is he doing? And so I get over to the car, and I've got my knife out, and I'm cutting the airbags off and cutting the guy out. And he says, call 911. And I look down in the ditch. The car was in the, in the uh, turning lane. There was two lanes of traffic, a shoulder and a long median from here to Big Chad. And right at the edge of the woods, I see that driver kneel down, and he's got this wadded up, bloody man in his lap. It's like you took a human being and wadded him up, rolled him up, and just threw him in them woods. His blood was all down. Let me tell you, I could see his skull. His skull cap was gone, and I, his skin... He was slit right down through here and his skin was sagging over. His skin was literally sagging on his face. Let me tell you something. He said, in the name of Jesus, you're going to live and you ain't going to die. I command your spirit back in your body right now in the name of Jesus. You will live and you will not die in the name of Jesus. He come to blood just coming out of his mouth from him, air and trying to talk and blood coming out of his mouth. When that 18-wheeler hit him, 
it spun the back of that car around and his face went through the back windshield and knocked the whole back windshield out, threw him across two lanes of traffic and through the median and into the woods. I never even seen him leave the vehicle. He said, I got to get up. I got to get up. I said, dude, you ain't getting up. Your face just center punched the back glass. And I watched that mangled man pulled his legs out. I was holding his legs down. Watch, let, let me tell you something. He's alive because of Jesus Christ. There's no other reason. He's alive because of Jesus Christ. To God be the glory for that man being alive. But let me tell you, God's doing things today like we, we've never witnessed. You are my witnesses, declare the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen in order that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed and there will be none after me. Listen, we have to learn and know what to stand on. We have to know this word, what it says if you don't know where you stand, you don't know, you can't stand. And we're living in a day, we need to know exactly right where we stand. See, I'm amazed at the people who can't see what's happening all around them. How the enemy has got, I'm, I'm talking about religious folks. I'm amazed at how many pastors I talk to that have no idea what I'm talking about right here. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I have talked with pastors and I leave there bewildered because they just accept the fact this is just how it is. Spiritual leaders in this community and all over this country are having to make some tough decisions. I'm amazed. See, and it's time for believers to start believing. It's time for believers to start believing. Come on. Second Chronicles 10, 3 and 5, it says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. See, we are being moved into positions of faith. We're being moved into positions of faith so that we'll be able to possess the promises. But I'm telling you, you're going to have to learn how to do spiritual warfare. If we do not learn spiritual warfare, we will not make it. You've got to learn to start recognizing the devil when it's the devil. And you've got to learn to recognize when you have the power and authority to stand and say, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's not right. Come on. And there's going to be lots of speculation going on. Who's listening? Is anyone paying attention to what's coming? That's what verse 23 says. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will give heed and listen hereafter? Listen, God's saying, who's going to hear Who's going to listen? Who can see what's coming? That's what's been baffling me is that the church hasn't seen this for years now. We've got, Lord, help me to hear. Lord, help me to see. 
Lord, help me to have an eye and an ear to hear what you're doing. God will show you. And it will, at some times, it'll set you back and you're thinking, oh my God. But you got to remember, he said, favor ain't fair. You'll walk through the water. You'll walk through the fire. Come on. See, when you don't line your thoughts with faith in God's established, unfailing word, you will become a captive. And that's because we form these, enemies trying to form these strongholds. And then when he does, when we don't take every thought captive, lined up with the word, the enemy creates a stronghold. Come on. And then the next thing you know, we're captive. See, we must begin now. Now. Today. We must begin now to align our thoughts up with the kingdom of God, his principles, his way of doing things. See, at some point, we must understand that we are his worksmanship. We're his worksmanship for his good pleasure, and there is no other Savior. We're his servants. No government entity, no entitlement program, just Christ Jesus. Come on. See, we are in times that should not worry us at all but it should drive us to a deeper relationship with God. That's where we're at. Trusting God in the midst of the pressure. Let me just throw this out there. The word ransom. When he says, I have redeemed you and have ransomed you from Egypt and I will give them in your place. That word ransom, it means cover. Pitch. Something used to influence, bribe, or favor. Come on, say favor ain't fair. Genesis 6, 14, 15. Make for yourselves an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Somebody say favor ain't fair. Fathers. Even when your kids don't understand what's going on, but yet you're making your stand to say, here's what we're going to do. Let me tell you something. God covers you. You just keep building. You just keep working on it because that word pitched there, it's covered. In the midst of the storm, that's favor. That favor, that pitch covered that ark and didn't allow Noah's family to perish because everybody else, you won't talk about peer pressure. You want to talk about being the outcast when you're building this great big boat and saying it's going to rain. Let me tell you something. His hard line was to build a boat in a time when nobody even knew what rain was. Nobody even knew what a flood was. You want to talk about a hard line of righteousness? Even when his own kids didn't understand, God didn't go around telling the whole family, here's what we're going to do. He told Noah. Then Noah had to make the decision, am I going to build or am I going to drown? Come on. Am I going to build? When everything else is saying, oh man, this life's good. What does it say? They were drinking, marrying, eating. They were just, I mean, prosperity. They were just having a good old time. Nobody listening. They were blind. Nobody seeing. And then there's Noah. For a hundred years, condemned the world. You want to know why the world acts like a victim? Because they are. 
and your life is a reflector that's reflecting the condemnation on their life if they do not repent, but yet you are covered. God says, I'll give them for your ransom. You got to keep building because it's you keeping building is what will deliver. Come on. The word ransom protected them in a flood. Repent, hope, and trust. Exodus 2, verse 3. But when she could hide no longer, when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket, covered it over with tar and pitch. Say favor ain't fair. There's going to come a point, mamas, you just can't hide no more. <clears throat> just ain't hiding no more. Listen, when the enemy's trying to take out the deliverer, come on, devil's always trying to rob us of our delivery, of our deliverance, being delivered, being redeemed, being ransomed. But let me tell you, God will cover and protect. Come on, mamas. Got to hope and trust. Can you imagine putting your baby and floating it off in a wicker basket? Hoping, trusting. Come on, that's a hard line. That's a hard line. Protected from the slaughter of government, bad government leadership. Come on, let's just break this down. Bad government leadership is trying to kill all the babies. Bad government leadership is slowly trying to condition you to comply. Shut me down. Pull my 501c3. But you know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be right here. Because it is a hard line. Oh God, we, can, we just can't say that. They'll take our 501c3. Take it! I don't preach because I get a 501c3 and I don't preach because I want people to come hear me. I preach because God put something in my heart and it's burning and if I don't get it out, so think what you may, but I will not comply with bad leadership. I don't care what they vote. See, it's time for believers to start believing. And it's time for leadership to say says by faith in Hebrews 11 6, by faith Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen in reverence in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. He hoped, he trusted, and let me tell you something, hope and trust in God brings favor, and that favor ain't fair. That favor ain't fair. See, Noah didn't even comprehend what that flood was about. 
See, you want to know why the world acts like victims? It's because they are. Because your life, your life should be reflecting the kingdom of God in that line. They should, listen, when they're losing their minds, you're walking in peace. Favor ain't fair. When you're walking through waters, favor ain't fair. When you're not being burned by all this fire and pressure and you're walking right through it, favor ain't fair. And the whole time they're going, wait a minute. And you don't even have to say a word. They're just going to start remembering. Wow, they, they go to church, they tithe, they pray, they, they're nice. They, they're not perfect, but they're trying. <laughs> trying. That's it, trying. It's not mean you're not going to twist off. Come on, you'll twist off. But you know what you got to do that really freaks them out? Is when you go and repent to cussing them. I threaten the energy guy. He come to turn their power off. And I knew they paid their bills. They always pay their bills. And he's like, they messed up. And I'm like, no, look, they're out of town. I'm trying to get over. Look, I'm, I'm trying to be the mediator guy, dad. And I'm like, no, don't turn the power off because when you turn the power off, then it costs you $200 more to get the power turned off. And I didn't want the power, to, them have to pay $200 to get the power. So I said, if you'll just wait. I said, I'll find the bill. You can show it off. He goes, okay. And then I go in to get the bill. Well, he sneaks around there and turns the power off. See, I can, I can handle if you just had told me, well, no, I can't. I'm just going to turn the power off. We'll sort it out later. I can handle that. But when you're sneaky and conniving, dude, I come unwrapped now. And I had to repent. To, and the whole time I knew when he come back, turn it on, I was going to have to repent. And I did. I had to humble myself and repent. See, you're not going to be perfect, but see, that's part of that hard line. I want to be in right alignment. Now I see the guy all the time, no big deal. Come on. I'm nice to him. I am. I didn't, I, I didn't lay a hand on him, Chad. <laughs> it wasn't that I didn't tell him I was going to. <laughs> Come on, there's a hard line being drawn. What are we going to do? See, when we walk by faith and not by sight or the news, we're preparing an ark for our families. They'll see. God will ransom us in the middle of this mess when we stay faithful. See, favor positions you to receive and possess the promises. You got to write that down. Favor positions you to, pos to possess the promises. That's what favor does. You need to say something, Kelsey? Come up here, girl. It'll be on by the time you get here. <laughs> we got good people back. 
I have a really good story about favoring bear. So in June, um, Caleb broke his leg, and um, it was really broke. So he called me and told me, <laughs> really um, hey, I broke my leg. And when we got all the x-rays and we went through with everything, it was really broke. He had to have two surgeries. And um, <laughs> at the time, like, I was just like, not even worried about the money side of it, but we didn't have medical insurance, but it was an emergency surgery. So um, we got into the ER, they sent us, and so we didn't have to show them anything up front on, or any payments up front. Well, after the second, or the first surgery, the bills started coming in and they were a lot, but not as much as we thought. Well, then after the second surgery, it was a lot. So <laughs> after it was all said and done, it was bills of six figure digits and we were kind of nervous, but we just knew like, like I was nervous, but had a peace about it. And um, my mom, they had sent us this financial paperwork, assistance paperwork. And my mom kept saying, Kelsey, you need to fill those out. Kelsey, you need to fill those out. It might help, it might help. Well, I couldn't find the papers and I had waited a little bit and I couldn't find them. Well then, um, my car got wrecked, and so a good thing out of that is when we got all the papers out of it, when it was going to the wherever, I found the paper. And so I was like, you know what? It might be too late, but I'm just going to go ahead and fill this out. And so I filled it all out, and it asked you all these questions about your bills and what you have to pay. So I was like, okay, this is easy. I can do this. Well, then it was like, what do you make? And I, three weeks after Caleb's accident, um, his boss just quit paying him. So we had no income at all. And um, so we were blessed by Jack and Haley and several others in a, um, in a, uh, what's it called? Gave. A gave, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but they gave. And then um, Jack had given Caleb an iPad and he started, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't get in his leather shop. He couldn't do anything. And so he just started drawing. So we just gradually were making a like with that. And, um, but we never quit tithing. We tithe off of everything. Even when we were like, we need all of this for our bills or we need all of this. We just never quit tithing. And um, so I sent in that financial paperwork and um, it asked for how much you made. So that was hard, but I was just like, all right, let me give an estimate on what I think it might be. Like, I don't know, we aren't getting paid anymore. And so I did that and I sent in our tax return from last year and we got a letter this past week and it was a little confusing, but what I thought I read, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. Uh, and then I called just to get verification and they said, ma'am, it's been covered in full. And so it was six figure digits and now it's been covered in full. Yeah. Favor ain't fair. That's right. That's right. They keep positioning themselves to walk in favor. Man, God is good, y'all. When we line ourselves up to walk in His ways, when we're not blind, when we say, God, open my eyes, let me see. God, let me hear. Let me tell you, because he says, I love you. I want to hear you. I, I, I want to deliver you. I want, you know, God's not up there. And that's what, that, that's what I think aggravates me most about what we've done with the guilt and condemnation preaching is that we made God out to be this mad God who's always out to get us when really he just wants to pour out his favor on us. Okay, I wasn't sure if I was gonna say something and he just kept saying everything and my heart rate won't quit going crazy. <laughs> so I started reading this book a couple of days ago on Esther called Made for This Moment. And... Um, I have to put my phone down because I'm shaking a little bit. But it, when David started preaching, so 
I was like, I I got stuck on this one page in this book. And um, hey, yeah. And so this is what it says. It says, act, it says we're in three acts right now. Act one, confusion. God's people choose the glamour of Persia over the goodness of God. Uh, I'm messing it up. It's all right. Compromise replaces conviction. Confusion replaces clarity. Act two, crisis. A decree of death places all Jews on life support. What hope does a fringe minority have in a pagan society? Act three, conquest. The unimaginable happens. Something so unexpected that sorrow turned to joy and their mourning somersaulted into a holiday for parties and fun and laughter. It says the theme of the book of the Esther, the theme of the book of Esther, indeed the theme of the Bible, is that all injustices of the world will be turned on their head. Sorry, y'all. Grand rehearsal, grand reversals are God's trademark. When we feel as though everything is falling apart, God is working in our midst, causing everything to fall into place. He is the king of quiet providence, and he invites you and me to partner with him in his work. The headline of the book of Esther reads, Relief will come. Will you be a part of it? Wow. When all seems lost, it's not. When evil seems to own the day, God still has the final say. He has a Joseph for every famine and a David for every Goliath. When his people need rescuing, God calls a Rahab into service. When a baby Moses needs a mama, God prompts an Egyptian princess to have compassion. He always has his person. Hmm. He had had someone in the story of Esther, and in your story, he has you. You want to retreat, stay quiet, stay safe, stay backstage. I don't have what it takes, you tell yourself. You could dismiss the made-for-this-moment idea as mere folly, but I hope you won't. Relief will come. Will you be a part of it? Man, that's good. Wow. Man, y'all stand. Man, that's good. I truly believe we're in this moment. And I tell you, I'm so excited. I really am. I know I get fired up, but I'm just excited. You know? I'm just excited to see what God's going to do. I mean, and in the and and I want this to be an encouraging word that in the midst of everything going on, we are covered. We're covered, and and I, it just baffles me too when 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 I hear and see see what's going on, and I'm people there there are people struggling. But we ain't. I mean, God, we're still doing and going. And, and, and I mean, it's just, I, I, I love it to see what God's doing. Come on. <laughs> um, I, oh, I might have turned it off. Oh. I, I was sitting there with like Tracy and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to say something. Um, Months ago, I was sitting in my chair, and um, as I was reading, I started reading the Bible from front to back, and uh, it was like right, right at the beginning, God said that people get so caught up in what's going on around them that they forget about the God that parted the Red Sea, and I wrote that so many different ways, thinking, what does that mean, <laughs> and there, I'd, I'd go to say something or to share that, and God would say, it's not the time. That's, that's not what I told you that for, and it was for this. Um, stop getting so caught up in what's going on around you and forget that God did part the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until a couple weeks ago I was sitting in my chair again, and uh, Gracie <laughs> blessed us with a little kitten because God, I guess, told her that I knew what to do with it. And um, 
sitting in my chair and I'm thinking, this cat's not going to live. I mean, it was terrible. Um, and Pacey Joe come in there and he handed me that cat in my lap and it's in my house. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do with this? And God said, why haven't you prayed over it? And I looked at that cat and I said, all right, God, heal the cat from the top of his head to the bottom of the feet. 30 minutes later, Joel comes back inside, and I'm not kidding you when I say this cat was on death's door. I did not think it was going to make it. And this cat is completely healed. And Joel goes, look at the cat. And I said, I know. God reminded me to pray for it. <laughs> because that's what we do. We don't, yeah. we don't think about praying for stuff. And I... Ever since then, I don't care what it is. God, stop the rain. I don't need it to rain right now. You know, he made it, I mean, it rained last night after we were done doing what we had to do. Like, everything <laughs> I've prayed for over the last two weeks, God has delivered. And awesome. I'm talking, it is little things that the details matter to him it's so and good. we just have yep. to remember to pray because so he good. wants to do it for us yeah but we don't think we're worthy enough to ask him of those things that's it that's so good father we come to you we thank you that you are a miracle working god you're the same yesterday today and forever and Lord, we put our trust in your hands. Our lives, we are building our lives on the sure foundation and hope. And we thank you. We trust you, Lord, with our everyday lives. Every little thing, Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.